the optimal life. So, Katie, what made you want to get into the uh, nursing profession? Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> that takes me back uh, 40 years now. Um, yeah. So I, uh, when I was in high school, it was one of those things where we, I was trying to decide every day uh, what I wanted to be. And one day it was an astronaut. The next day it was a judge. The next day it was who knows what. Um, and then one night I just had this dream. And in the dream, I, I, you know, I don't really remember the dream. I just woke up and I was very adamant that I had to be a nurse. And I went down and told my parents and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll see what you say tomorrow. But I stuck with it. And I went and became, back in the day, it was called candy striper. I don't know what they're called now, but I went and became a candy striper at the hospital and never looked back and just forged my way through that. And it was it ended up being the best decision I could have ever made uh, for me, my personality, my lifestyle. Um, and it, it's just been, it's been great. I never looked back. So, What, what do you think attracts people today? You're, you're going back, like you said, 40 years. What do you think attracts the the young, I'm going to say mostly women, because it, it is a, a woman-predominated industry. Um, what, what do you think those people are, are thinking to themselves, hey, I really want to become a nurse. What is it? Uh, yeah. So, and I, I would say that they, we have brought in a ton of, of men into the profession um, in recent years. It, it's uh, They've done stories on, you know, uh, coal miners that decided to come into uh, nursing and they seem like the type that wouldn't come in at all. But what I think it is, is that idea of having some sort of purpose and meaning and impact um, in the world. And I think that's why a lot of us go into it. And a lot of people that have been on fields like maybe the corporate track and they feel like what they're doing somehow is is meaningless, whether it is or not, and coming into a profession that's known for caring and and working with people is very appealing. Um, And then, of course, the profession of nursing has, it's historically paid very well, and we have very low um turnover i mean one hospital might let go of nurses but then there's like if you look across the nation there's a severe shortage of nurses so if you're willing to relocate you'll always have a job right well traveling nurses that's where's there's some big money i've heard because the one right yeah there's definitely especially during the pandemic um when nurses were getting furloughed uh, a lot of these travel agencies really popped up out of nowhere and they were getting huge huge contracts uh that has died off largely. Um, but I mean, they still get paid well. Um, I mean, the the staffing agencies clearly get paid a lot more, but it just goes to show you that there's a, there's a lot of money out there for nurses, um, but the nurses right. don't necessarily get all that money. You made an interesting comment. You said, uh, yes, it's still dominated by females, but there are more men coming into the industry now than ever before. The mm-hmm. coal miners, the rough and gruff guys, the guys yeah. you least expect in that blue collar world you're saying or you're suggesting are coming into nursing. If that's true, what about the profession is attracting those folks? I, I honestly think it's the same thing. I think it's, you know, we all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, we want to have some sort of meaning. And especially as you kind of go through life and you're looking back and you're like, how did I contribute? Um, and, it, you know, sometimes you don't feel that way, especially maybe if you've been coal mining and 
<laughs> technically destroying the earth in a way, but um, you know, you might want to do something that has uh, just more impact. And, and that's what people will say, especially second career nurses. So people who have done something and then gone to nursing school, that's what the, they'll say. They've, they've been burnt out. They wanted to, you know, do something to help others. Mm. I think it's a really powerful calling. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's definitely that, that those folks, that's very deep that they're feeling like, Hey, I'm not fulfilled. I'm doing things that maybe are harming our environment. And I just want to have a more positive experience, positive impact. I'm working the long days anyways, because those guys are work, (laughs) right. They're working the 12 hour shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about 12 hour shifts, because that's something I've always found fascinating with the nursing profession. You guys, what is a, what does a typical weekly schedule look like? Yeah, I mean, so there there's that dream that you have three 12 hour shifts and, and it's never 12 hour shifts because it takes you, you know, like an hour to get there or for whatever reason and then an hour to get home and then you always stay late. So it, it's your like about a 14 hour day um, and, you know, your whole, uh, I mean, your whole, I, I, I would go in and it's dark and I leave and it's dark and, you know, I might not have ever gotten out of the hospital that day. So I just see darkness for days at a time. And then most nurses, if you talk to any nurse, they usually have three or four jobs and you know so it's like you have your three twelves and then you go out and you take a per diem job at this hospital or that hospital or, or whatever just to have your foot in the door with, with everything so then you're working like four or five 12 hour shifts and uh you know i mean it, it's fine like i don't i think you know we've heard a lot about burnout and stuff and i don't think nurses are burnt out on the actual work. Uh, I think they they love the work, um, but it's kind of like when you go from one hospital to the next hospital, you run into the same problems over and over and over again, and it feels like nobody's listening. And I think that gets really frustrating. And I think that's where, you know, you get the, the burnout and, and people just kind of like apathetic, like, oh, well, I guess this is how everything's done and nothing's going to change. And um, I think that's how you get burnt out. But but you've made a out. you've made a comment even on your website that you find yourself working sixty to eighty hours per week and only getting paid for forty. Oh yeah, yeah. And because I I decided that I wanted to be a martyr, and a lot of nurses do this. And and actually, they did a New York Times article on it on how corporate hospitals, you know, kind of take advantage of the fact that not just nurses but doctors and and most healthcare professionals will put in extra hours to take care of the patients. Um, so they they keep giving us more and more and more to do, and we just keep taking it on. And if we can't get it done in twelve hours, we'll stay for thirteen, fourteen hours, and until it gets done. So that's that scope creep. It is it's a guys, huge scope creep. <laughs> it's a huge scope creep because. So let me ask you: You work your twelve-hour shift, and you have plans, or you just don't want to keep. You're not. I I don't believe. Are you obligated to work the the fourteen hours, or are you guilted into working the fourteen hours? Oh yeah, I, and it's hard to it's hard to leave, and and you feel this ownership of the patients, and you know I worked as a nurse practitioner, so if it wasn't done, like if I left, I left one intern who was now in control of like fifty. Um, patients you know so i would be like hey here's uh, here's my 12 patients that i took care of and i'm one of like multiple different nurse practitioners right here's my 12 patients and here's the 20 things i didn't do and that's to me that's really shitty like i i couldn't do that to that intern who is like you know a deer on headlights like oh my god (laughs) you know because he just got quadrupled the work in in addition to all the other stuff they had to do that's got to be very 
a, a very challenge, probably one of the more challenging things about the nurse profession, I would imagine. Maybe medical profession as a whole, but especially nurses, because you guys are dealing with so many people, I believe. You're not just dealing with maybe one patient a day. You have multiple things going on over the course of a day, a night, and then it's time to finally go. You're exhausted after a long 12, 13-hour day, and you've got this patient. Oh, he's he's still struggling. He, he won't go to sleep. His family left. Uh, we kind of just need to give him a little more tender love and care to get him done. How do you turn it off? Uh, was it hard to turn it off at night when you would leave the hospital? Um, it was not for me because, you know, I work neurocritical care. So like the end of my shift would be like, oh, so-and-so is coding. Well, you know, that adds another two or three hours to your shift, you know, because you can't just leave in the middle of the code. But um, or some disaster would happen. It's always shift change. Uh, let me, I'm sorry, real quick. I'm sorry to interject. But I, just to be clear, I'm, I'm wondering if you found yourself in those situations where you kind of like, hey, listen, I'm handing the baton over to nurse be over here because it's time for me to go. I've been here for 13 or 14 hours. It's time to go. But you kind of feel a little guilty that your patient is struggling in some manner. Are you able to just hand it over and, and go home without thinking about it? That's kind of where I was going with the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I was able to do that. I was able to compartmentalize. Like I had to feel like I tied up all the loose ends and told everybody everything that they needed to know to hand off the baton. And as soon as I walked out of the hospital, for me, um, I didn't think about the hospital. But then, you know, I would be back in eight hours later, right? So you know, it was just enough to go to right. sleep and wake up and get my coffee and come back in and, and find out if, you know, the baton passing went okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. But that's a lot to carry. You just brought up a good point. I'm just trying to put this for, for the listeners in practical terms so that they can understand what is a day in the life? What is a week in the life of, of a nurse, a nurses across our country? So you mentioned that 12-hour shift, but you're probably getting up when you had to start a shift at 7 a.m., what time would you be waking up at? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you'd have to be up by 5, 5.30 to, okay. to get to the hospital and get dressed and all that kind of So stuff. you're up at 5 a.m., right? Let's assume you're doing a 7 to 7 shift. I assume that it's something similar to that. You're up at 5 a.m. Yep. And then you work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right. On your feet for a lot of the day. Yes. Dealing with a lot of personalities, dealing with oh doctors, God. dealing with other nurses, <laughs> other nurse practitioners, uh, anesthesiologists, family members. I mean, the list goes on and on. You guys are, are communicating with tons of people daily. Yeah. I, I see the nurse as the project manager and, you know, she has to, to deal with like, a, like, like you said, a ton of different people from different allied professions. Right. So you're getting hit from all these different angles. And then finally 7 PM comes around and uh, uh, Johnny, who's who's in his chair is having trouble. So now 7 p.m. becomes 8 p.m. because you're feeling guilty to leave. You finally hand off the baton. You leave at 8 p.m. You get home. By the time you, you know, unwind, shower, watch TV, maybe it's 10, 10, 30, 11. You're finally falling asleep. And then six hours later, you're waking up to get back to Johnny. You're waking up at 5 a.m. to get back to Johnny at right. 7 a.m. And that's a, a standard day in the life of a nurse. So that leads me to when you do that type of work for weeks, months, and years, there is the nurse. The, the nurse burnout is real. And, and that's something that I think is really negatively impacting the entire nursing profession, which is kind of where you come in to this whole thing with right. nurse per nurse. But 
let's dig into the burnout. Talk to us about what burnout looks like and, and, and how did that affect you in your own personal life? Yeah. And, you know, I, as a nurse practitioner in neurosurgery, we rounded at 6 a.m. So I actually had to be there at 5 a.m., which meant I was getting up at 4 a.m. Um, and, you know, which is fine. And I did that for years and years and years. Like I, that wasn't the burnout. Like I love doing it. I love hanging out with, with the, the residents and taking care of the patients and working with the nurses. Um, and, you know, maybe I left at five, six, seven o'clock at night and then just would, you know, turn around and do the whole thing all over again. To me, that I, I love the work. That was not the burnout. The burnout was, um, it was twofold, right? Like it was one, um, as a nurse practitioner, um, I had nowhere to go. I had a seal. There was like a ceiling effect. There was nothing for me to do except the same job over and over and over again. And my residents year after year, you know, they get better and and then they graduate and they go off and they get a, a million dollar salary somewhere and they become the director of this and their career direct trajectory was like amazing. And I every year had to like prove myself to the, the new intern that came in, right? Like, you know, the end. That was frustrating because there was no career trajectory. But the other thing that was annoying is, you know, as a frontline worker, seeing problems, the same problems and bringing it to management and management uh, either dismisses you or they ignore it or nothing ever changes. So in the 20 years that I worked in my unit, nothing ever changes. And I actually just ran into one of my neurointensivists. I'm like, how's, how's everything going in the unit? Because I've been there in a few years. And he's like, oh, it's the same. Like, nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I left because, you know, you're putting out the same fires every day that don't need to be put out. If somebody would just take charge and be, you know, they would do something about it. And I think there, it becomes pointless what you're doing because the same people are coming in with the same problems. We treat them the same way. And, you know, the outcome, I mean, the outcome is the outcome, but it, it's just really frustrating because, you know, things could be better um, if they would just listen to you. And it's, to me, it's a it's a huge disrespect to the profession that they're not taking what we're saying seriously, um, or you know, trying to make the change. They just want you to work harder, longer, more shifts. So, how was that built up resentment in your twenty years? You had to have built up resentment over time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm I'm a very low key person. It's very hard to to push my buttons and and get me upset. But it got to me so much that one point um, I had this huge blowout with my attending. Um, it, it was really stupid, childish, immature, whatever. But he came up and he said something ridiculously stupid that was changing a policy that we were doing that had zero impact or effect. And it was just really bothersome and more work for us. So I freak out, start um, F-bombing him, cursing him out, telling him he's an idiot, which, you know, in in fairness, he's done to all of us anyway. So, you know, it's really just kind of giving it back to him. And uh, so they uh, they came up and they suspended me for three days. And um, I, you know, had to go to anger management classes, which was kind of ironic. Um, but you know, I was sitting at home and I'm like, you know what, I've got like four master's degrees, I have a PhD and I'm sitting at home, you know, ready to go to anger management classes. I'm like, this is not what I want for my life. <laughs> like, this is not where I want to go with this at all. That, but that's Katie, that's one example, which sounded like it was a, a pretty memorable moment for you. But I would assume that that frustration starts creeping into your daily life. Yeah. 
I mean, I would walk into the hospital and just be angry. Like I literally be happy walking along, come to the hospital. As soon as I step in the room, I step into the hospital lobby. Like I would feel tense and anger. Uh, and that comes out in different ways. It manifests as like apathy. It, it manifests as, you know, just kind of like, you know, people do get snippy and, and irritable and, um, you know, it just comes out in those different ways. And you see it in the night shift nurses or nurses that have been there for 20 years and you're like, oh, why are they like cranky pants? And then you get to that point and you're like, no, I understand. <laughs> like, I understand why they're miserable human beings. Wow. That's interesting. Because that's across our country. When you go into a hospital setting, people don't realize, but these nurses, a lot of them are carrying some pretty heavy fr frustrations on the daily basis. They're already on their third 12 hour shift. <laughs> it's really their third. It's going to be their third 15 hour shift for the week because of the, the scope creep and all the other crap that's going into it. And they're not being heard and they're hitting the, the, the wall or they're feeling like there's no trajectory upwards. They're in the same spot that Katie was in. And there's thousands, if not millions of these people out there. Yeah. So talk to us, give us some of the, some of the things that you wanted to see change that you thought would make things better that you weren't, that they weren't listening to you about. What were some of those? Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of specifics now, cause it's been a few years since I've been in there, but, um, you know, just the, the way that one of the things that, uh, I'll, I'll give this as a, a somewhat benign example, but the computer system in general. So we all switched over from paper to, to computer, um, and which is fine, you know, it, it was going to happen. It's, that's not the problem. But the problem is, is that, um, you know, they, they give you a template to work from for each patient, right, which doesn't seem like a big deal. And then every time something happens, you know, it's like, they're going to add more and more and more stuff to your charting. And they've done studies which show now that the nurses actually spend 60 to 70% of their day charting on things for the patient. <laughs> right. So there's like this huge amount of, um, of information that has to be charted in multiple different places. And it's the same information. And it, it literally takes you hours a day to actually chart stuff that, you know, you, I mean, you're going through the, the system of just checking off boxes and you're like, how is, how is any of this helping? Like it, there's nobody to streamline um, the charting system so that we're charting relevant, useful information that actually helps the patient. It's just well, like, what do you think that would allow you to, as the nurse, if charting went down to like 20% of your day instead of 60% of your day, what would you be able to do with that additional 40%? Yeah, I mean, your I mean, your day would just be a lot easier. You'd have a fewer things to do. Um, you'd have more time to recover from like running from fire to fire to fire, um, and you know, it would just be an easier pace for your day. Um, I mean, a little and, more calm, a little more calm, a little more. Yeah. And, and some, of, some of the nurses at the end of the shift, that, that's what they're doing. Like they're trying to cram in all the charting that they didn't get. And they might spend an extra hour, you know, trying to do the charting so that they can go home. Oh, geez. And then you're just rushing through the charting because you're at your wits end. Right. And <laughs> like, I've, I've, done, here. I've done legal nurse consulting before and I've gotten like boxes, like hundreds of boxes. And it's full of like just paperwork, depending on how long the patient was there. And all of it is just this redundant, ridiculous uh, charting that half of it doesn't even make sense. You're like, you know, I, you don't know that you can trust the information anyway. So it's useless. <laughs> so where else, then, regardless whether it was some of your things that you wanted, charting was clearly a uh, number one of the big ones. Are there some other areas when you think of just the nursing profession today? You, you're dealing with a lot of nurses. 
We're going to get to your, what you're doing with nursepreneurs. What are some low-hanging fruit areas of improvement that you think the profession can use? Uh, the profession as a whole, like, you know, I, I believe that, um, you know, that the nurses, they see um, issues also with transition from hospital to um, outpatient areas, which is one of the areas that we help nurses to transition into, because there's no real realm, right? It's not necessarily the realm of the hospital to take care of patients as they leave the hospital, but because there's nobody to transition them to home, they frequently get readmitted and come back in. So we see this, and I saw it a lot, a lot in my service. Like we would send stroke patients home. Here's your 50 pages of discharge that are, are meaningless and say nothing. And they go home and they have a question. They call the office and the office says, well, we can't help you. You have to go to the ED. So they go to the ED. And then the next thing you know, like 12 hours later, I've got the same patient back because nobody would answer their question. Um, you know, so it was you know, that kind of stuff is, is ridiculous. But, you know, is it the realm of the hospital to have to do that? And, you know, it, the outpatient is so disorganized that there's no way for them to manage those patients, even though there's, I mean, there's certainly billing codes to manage patients as they come out of the hospital, but it just doesn't. So, doesn't so you would su you would su suggest what uh, to offset that issue? What would you do? So we have uh, nurses that will transition patients from home. Um, they help. They would do like one-on-one -on -one visits. They can act as support. Um, there, there's a there is a code from Medicare called transitional care billing, um, which they could tap into, or they can create a business model around it to help them. Um, you know, one answer questions, uh, review medications, make sure all the appointments are made. Uh, you know, the follow up is done, because once you get those discharge, it's it's really uh, the patients are extremely confused when they get home. Okay, so that's one area, that major area where you guys do something different than the typical hospital system. It's the post-care service. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And then post-surgery is another one. Um, a lot of these patients will leave uh, same-day surgery, right? And they're discharged to, to friends and family. But, um, you know, for the, the surgeons, the surgeons have gotten better and better and better. And the, the procedures are more straightforward, but it hasn't changed for the patient on the patient side. So they're coming out with drains and wraps and, and all kinds of bandages and stuff. And, uh, you know, the surgeons are like, oh, send them home. But, <laughs> you know, so that's another area that... As nurses, we've been picking up um, as a business model, uh, taking patients home and taking care of them. Okay, so to tell us at a high level exactly, nursepreneurs. We've talked about it, a couple, mentioned it a couple times. Tell us exactly uh, what exactly this this company you started the business. This company. Tell us exactly who you are and uh, the type of people that you're you're working with. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I started this back in 2016, just out of, you know, wanting to to do something else, to be part of something bigger, uh, to have, you know, like a legacy for my career, right? Because my, my legacy in the hospital was putting out fires, which, <laughs> you know, after you leave, everybody's like, oh, somebody else just puts out the fire. So, um, but anyway. So you never yeah. felt, you never felt recognized, Katie? No, no. You never felt appreciated? No, I spent 20 years in the same hospital system and, um, yeah, in the same unit with the same, uh, when, and after, when I left, like, did I'm, did, did, did I didn't doctors, even get a pizza party, you know, like, I got party. <laughs> Did doctors ever come up to you, Katie, and say, we were so thrilled with, with your service and we oh, really, no, 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 no. I, I would never expect that. A doctor would never tell a nurse that. I'm sure they, I'm sure they would, but it never happened to me. So maybe, I, maybe they didn't like me. I don't know. <laughs>
Administra- uh, administration never came up to you and said, thank you for your for your 20 years of work. They gave you a pizza party. Oh, I didn't get a pizza party. You didn't even get a pizza party. No, I didn't get a pizza party. When you so. talk about the, the culture of well, I want to get to the nurse printers. We're, we're kind of but I'm, there's some things that are coming out here that I want to until we get there. Uh, just just touch on because you're talking about how there's so many nurses that are they're burnt out they're um, you know, they kind of lost their purpose as they've worked over the years within the profession. And you also talk about they're leaving because the, the politicking, the, the, the administration, and you say deception, the deception plaguing our hospital system. What do you mean when you say deception? Um, did I use the word deception? Well, that's what I saw here in your, in your notes. <laughs> oh. <So. laughs> Uh, whether you used it or not, I don't know. But uh, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I would use the word deception because I, I was going to say deception is a pretty strong word. That is a strong word. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. But, I, but anyways, regardless, what what is what is it that's causing all these nurses that you're working with to want to leave? It. I really believe it's the what like what you just touched on the unappreciation uh, for what we do. Um, being invisible, which is partly our fault because we choose to be martyrs uh, a lot of the time and and work hard to you know keep the system afloat for whatever reason, and you know the the lack of respect that there is as well. So nurses in the hospital system are treated like commodities because the cost of the nurse is tied to the cost of the bed, right? So during COVID, we saw that very distinctly when they stopped doing um, elective surgery, they would furlough the nurse, which was the first time I'd ever heard the word furlough. But, you know, if there wasn't patients in the bed, then there wasn't nurses. And, you know, that's, you know, fine. But, um, you know, but because of that, because the nurses are tied to the bed, they start chasing after who's paying the highest. And when I was in the hospital system, my the most powerful thing for me was the culture of the unit that I lived in, uh, that I well, basically lived in. Um, but it, they were my family, right? That was my family. I loved those people. I, I wouldn't go on vacation. I just wanted to be at the hospital with my, my second family. Um, but nowadays it's like, you know, the, you go after if somebody's paying 50 cents more an hour, you go to that hospital, right. Or you quit your job, you join an agency and you come back as a staffing agent, a staff nurse, a, a travel nurse, and you make, you're making twice as much, right. And you get to choose your own hours. Um, so what does it start? What is a, a nurse, uh, salary for a starting nurse typically? Uh, I mean, it varies across the, but in the Northeast, I would say they're making about, uh, and I, I don't think I'm off base on this, about 70000 So it, it's And then, a great and then how long, because you, you could ultimately work your way up to a six-figure income on that, correct? Yeah, you, you'll pretty much get cat. In order to do six figures as a nurse, you're going to have to have multiple jobs. Um, and, you know, being a senior nurse doesn't help because they actually, they don't adjust the rates for inflation often. So a lot of times the older nurses are making less than the newer nurses that are coming in, which is annoying. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a slap in the face too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you're making about 70,000. But if you're a nurse practitioner, which is what you were, First off, what exactly is does that mean nurse practitioner? And then what kind of income levels can you achieve there? 
Yeah, that also varies because if you're like pediatric um, CTICU, you could be making 150 an hour, right? Like, and those are very tough positions. Um, and but most nurse practitioners come in about 120, somewhere around there. Uh, and again, it, it varies uh, depending on uh, where you live, but uh, that would be a reasonable salary to expect as a nurse. When you say 120, you're saying 120,000 or 120 an hour. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 120 K uh, a year, 120,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But what exactly does that? What, what is a nurse practitioner? What do you have above and beyond a, a normal nurse? So as a nurse practitioner, I write orders, I manage, diagnose and take care of the patients. So in my setting as a neurosurgery NP, I essentially ran the ICU, right? So I managed all the patients. I did all their cares of uh, plans of care. I managed them. If somebody was uh, crashing or having a problem, I would run their codes. I, you know, I, we could, we would do all of the stuff that typically uh, the residents would do, but this allowed the residents to actually go to the OR and learn how to operate. <laughs> what did you have to do? You have to do further schooling to become a practitioner? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So anyways, back to you, 2016, you've had enough. And you said, it's time for me to do something else with my life. Right. Which is when Nursepreneurs was formed. Again, well, I, yeah. I interrupted you. I interrupted you. Go ahead. What, what? I mean, I was actually hired by Walmart first, and Walmart uh, brought me on as a senior um, manager for talent acquisition. And my job was to recruit nurse practitioners into the clinics. And I didn't know how to do this. Uh, I didn't even know what talent acquisition was. I'd buy books on it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what my job is. Like, what am I doing? Um, but you know, I wanted to do something different, and that was different. Um, so, learn did Walmart throw you a pizza party or no? Uh, no, they, they fired our, our butts. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they fired most of the top management uh, because the clinics didn't explode the way they thought they were going to explode. So uh, a lot of us got cut. So I I had to throw my own pizza parties in life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so go ahead. Um, so I thought, well, how am I going to recruit these nurse practitioners? And then I thought, well, maybe I should start a blog. And I called the blog <laughs> the NP Life, meaning nurse practitioner life. Um and I started writing it and I hated writing about it. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'm going to start a business just showing nurse practitioners how to transition into the field. Um, and then I started getting coaches and what I really, I have an MBA and I've, I've started other businesses in the past. And that's really, you know, uh, what I wanted to do. And, and one of my coaches is like, why don't you just do that? She's like, you have the, the credibility to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I it really kind of turned into this thing where, you know, I, I was writing about that. I really loved it. Started my own podcast, talking to nurses that were starting their own businesses. And uh, it really just kind of took off from there. And then I saw this as a way for nurses who were leaving the profession to take their expertise and, and turn it into uh, a business model. So what what do you, what do they do? What, what exactly does that, that mean? The nurse comes, they work with you. They're saying, hey, Katie, I'm burnt out. I'm, I've had enough. I'm underappreciated, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm done. I put in my 10 years. Um, it's time for me to move on. Okay. They, they start working with you. Where, where do they go? What, what do you help them transition to? Yeah. So we, you know, like to look at what it is that, uh, what their expertise is. So I've had oncology nurses uh, come to us and say, okay, well, what can I do? And it depends on, you know, the type of person they are and their personality. I've had oncology nurses start 
breast cancer support groups for women in remission, right? And help empower them with courses and teach them how to, you know, what they should be doing in that outpatient setting. And then I've had other nurses that like writing, like so oncology nurses have rewritten um, patient care materials. Um, I had one nurse who was a home care nurse and her home care patients did so much better than everybody else's home care patients in the same company. The company is like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I rewrote all of the patient material so they could actually understand what it is that we're saying because we use a lot of medical jargon and they you know she's like why why don't you follow the prescriptions i gave you and they're like well we didn't you know um so she rewrote them and now that's what she does she she teaches nurses how to um basically do content writing rewriting patient materials um and that kind of stuff so i mean there's are, all, are you all doing that. are you doing like any kind of home health care services I don't, I don't touch home health care. Um, I've interviewed a lot of nurses in home health care. It's just, uh, it's very daunting to me. Okay. <laughs> so they do very, very well. Like it's a, you know, the average home care business is a million dollar business. But you're helping people. So you're helping these nurses, not necessarily, it doesn't sound like you're, you're putting them into the home setting instead. Well, we, we do have like our post-surgical patients, um, you know, so those nurses take them home and they'll take them to their hotel or wherever it is that they, they need to go um, and take care of them in the home one-on-one. So, yeah, we definitely have that type of service. So, yeah. So those services are uh, what you touched on before where you said, hey, that's an area where the hospital really falls falls short right. is that they have the, the recurring patient because they don't know how to take care of them post-surgery, post, you know, once they leave the hospital. Right. So you guys are doing some of that as well. What are some other success stories? Tell us, give us one or two that come to mind with some other clients of yours. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so we had one nurse who uh, wanted to help uh, women after surgery. She actually goes and gets their placenta and then yeah, does placenta encapsulation and turns it into pills. Uh, which, you know, a lot of cultures eat the placenta, but she turns them into pills, which is a little bit more um, palatable, I guess, for our Western society. But so she she does that. Um, I mean, I've had nurses. Now let me ask you, Katie, because again, I'm I'm a you know I'm a, a novice when it comes to this stuff. I don't know all this legal jar or, or medical jargon when you're talking about placenta and post this and search. So, how do you? I mean, what did you do to help her bridge the gap to get there? It, it's really about. Um, it, it comes down to because putting the business together is pretty straightforward, right? This is the easy part for me. Uh, you know, I, I can I can see this. Like, so one of the things that we have to do is establish the problem that we're solving, the audience that we're attacking, and the competition. Like, what else are that? What else is out there that they could do other than than what you're offering? Um, so it's really about formulating that, and then formulating well, what are we offering actually, and how much are we pricing this at? Uh, so to me, that stuff is easy and it's replicatable in any business model. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So I don't have to know their what they know in their expertise. I just have to help them uh, package it, price it, and put it in front of people. Interesting. Okay. So uh, that was the placenta story. What? Give us one more. 
uh, one, so I have uh, nurses that um, have done IT interpretation. So they uh, work as consultants. They've, they've um, made themselves consultants so that they come into the hospital system uh, because there's a lot of process improvement that needs to be done in the hospital. And management thinks that things should be running this way and things are actually running that way. And they go in and, and interpret exactly what's happening and, and really do a root cause analysis of what is what is happening in um, at the four front, what is it that management wants to happen and where is the gap? So it's a gap flow analysis, but you know, so that they've become consultants in that uh, and that's been very successful. So you're helping the nurses who have put together years of knowledge and experience. They're leveraging their experiences. They're not saying, hey, Katie, I want to now become an architect and now Katie's going to help me become an architect. <laughs> They're saying, hey, Katie, I'm tired of what I've been doing. I have a lot of knowledge. I may have a, I may be a subject matter expert in a specific area even at this point. And I want to now take those skills and do something else outside of the hospital setting. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. Where can people find you if they want to work with you, uh, Katie? Uh, nursepreneurs.com. That's our social media handle as well as nursepreneurs. So we're all over the place. <laughs> nursepreneurs.com. We'll link you in the show notes. You did mention your podcast. Take us, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, I interview nurses who have started businesses and really try and get at the root of one, how they got started, two, why they got started, and, and three, like why they thought they were able to do it. Um, and because some of them, like I said, have come up with amazing ideas. And, uh, you know, every time I talk to them, I'm like, oh, I want to do that business too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very inspirational for nurses that are, you know, like thinking, what is it that I can do? Uh, and that's called the Nursepreneurs Podcast. And we yes. will link that here in the show notes as well. I, I know nurses. I'm in Cleveland. We have great uh, hospital systems here in Cleveland. We have two uh, pretty world-renowned systems with uh, university hospitals and Cleveland Clinic. And uh, I know a lot of nurses in town. So I have a feeling a few of them are going to be listening to this episode going, huh, maybe I should reach out to Katie just to <laughs> just to see, just to make the intro. Is, if, if somebody wants to contact you directly, is there an email address or, or how do you suggest they go about that? It, yeah, we have hello at nursepreneurs.com and we also have a web chat where it is manned by real people. So you can talk to them there and we can we do no obligation consults as well just to talk to you about your ideas. Beautiful. I have to ask you, what's life like as a single parent? Uh, it's great. Uh, my son was, um, he was a sperm donation. So I've always been a single parent and I was ready for it and I'm in a good place in my life. And he's just the, the joy of my life. So How old is he? How old is he now? <laughs> he's now 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, my second daughter is 11. It's a yeah. pr pretty wild uh, age once they get here. It's like middle yeah. school. Uh oh, <laughs> here comes all the emotions. Here comes adolescence at its finest. You know, yeah, well, he's still on. insisting he's not going to get married or have a girlfriend. So <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, nursepreneurs.com. Katie Harris, really appreciate uh, connecting with you and continued success to you. Thanks so much.